Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. Today, my guest is Bernard Ma, who is a world-renowned futurist, influencer, and thought leader in the field of business and technology. Bernard has a passion for using technology for the good of humanity, and he recently hosted an insightful membership event for us here at IMI. So today, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into some of the topics that we covered on that session. Bernard, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Thank you so much for having me. Yes, my pleasure. Um, so I'm Bernard Ma, and I basically do a, a few different things. I look at future trends, and I often work with leadership teams to help them understand what trends are on the horizon, very often looking at industry-specific trends. So I have a number of board positions and non-executive board positions where I basically act as the futurist voice helping organizations to understand where things are going. The second thing I do is I write. So I have written 23 books on future trends, including the book Business Trends and Practice, which won the the 2022 Business Book of the Year Award. Um, and I'm currently writing a book on generative AI and 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 what this will mean for the future. And then I also write for Forbes. I have a regular column and I do lots of speaking engagements. So I, I speak at events and conferences and teach. And I've been having a, a long relationship with the IMI where I contribute to a, a number of, of courses there. That's great. Thank you so much. I think that leads us quite nicely into discussing a little bit of what we talked about on your session with us recently. So to get started, can you give us a bit of an overview of the hyperconnectivity that we're just on the cusp of? What do you expect the future to look like? Yeah, so I expect the future to be even faster in terms of change than anything we have realized. We are now at the cusp of this of this hyper innovation cycle where lots of truly transformative technologies are coming together. Lots of the previous big shifts, very often leading to an industrial revolution like uh, mechanization, like steam power, like electricity, like um, computing, they have transformed organizations. We now have a number of technologies that would fall into this category. We have artificial intelligence, we have gene editing technology, we have um, a more immersive internet, all of these technologies will, and the mobile revolution, cloud computing, and all of them individually could transform organizations. But what I'm seeing is that they are all enhancing each other. So AI will make the immersive, in, in, the immersive internet much more powerful. We have, again, gene editing and artificial intelligence combined give the healthcare sector and pharma sector a, a, a huge push. So what I expect to see in the future is faster innovation cycles and um, even more innovation in terms of new technologies and, and, and transformations in terms of how we work and how organizations operate. I think we all understand that data is extremely important when we think about how we can, how we can improve customer experience and our product and our marketing. 
So can you elaborate a bit on the importance of enhancing data literacy within organizations and addressing the skills gaps that we see so that we can really start to leverage the immense potential of the data that we have available? Yeah, it's a good question. So what, what we are seeing at the moment is that data has become one of the most important business assets. And without data, organizations can't do AI very well. Like They can't do many things. And they definitely can't make meaningful decisions about their customers, about their products and services, about where to innovate. So organizations need data. It has become the, the lifeblood of organizations today. What we are seeing is uh, a huge gap in in the skills that we need. So there's a, a huge lack of um, lack of of data science skills, for example, and the availability of people with data and AI skills in organizations. And because there are only a few people that can do this well, they tend to go to the the big players who can pay them really well. So organizations need to think about how they develop their own data and, and data literacy skills. So I work with Shell, for example, as one of my customers, and they realized that they wanted to boost the data awareness and data skills across the entire organization. So we created a, a data strategy for the organization, but as part of this, um, we also made sure that they upskill their existing employees to give them access to courses, that they create networks, that they create new job titles. Um, they created people that sit between the data function and the business function to help the business functions understand how they can use data more effectively and also they help the analytics function to translate some of the data insights into really meaningful business messages that that business users can understand and um one of my other customers is walmart one of the obviously the, the, one of the largest retailers in the world and they actually created a a physical cafe in their headquarters called the data cafe so you know starbucks you walk in you grab a drink and then you sit down with a data scientist who can then help you understand what data is available how you can use this and this for me is very often overlooked in organizations that might have lots of data they might have systems in place to allow people to access this data but they don't think about how can you create this awareness and this culture in organizations to use data and value data and the what is on the horizon however is a complete democratization of the ability to analyze data through generative artificial intelligence so this latest version of ai has hugely powerful analytics capabilities that means people can simply have a conversation with their data so you can go off and say who are my most profitable customers what trends are is my data telling me and without necessarily having to have the data skills of and this the statistics skills anyone can now turn data into insight so is it was never easier to turn data into insights, but we need to create this awareness and get people started using data because in lots of organizations, in in lots of industries, people don't really like data. They're scared of data and and data is now so important that we, we need to 
treated as the asset that organizations have as this core asset for organizations that, that will really drive future future success? I think Netflix is one organization that always comes up when we talk about places that really use data in an extremely targeted way. And I know that a huge percentage of the viewing on Netflix comes from their specific recommendations that they're giving to individual people, individual users, based on the data that they've collected from what they've watched previously, what their interests are, all sorts of different things. So what I'm really interested in is how other organizations can potentially use something similar to start targeting their content or start targeting their marketing really specifically at individuals or at specific users. So what's coming down the line in terms of customization like that? Yeah, so Netflix is a great example and an organization I've done a lot of work with over the years. And they are now using data for pretty much everything. For the 95% of what people watch on Netflix is driven by their recommendation engine. But they're not only using it to recommend us content, they're also analyzing our viewing behaviors to understand what content they will commission in the future. And and this is so powerful. And in the in in the beginning, lots of other broadcasting and content organizations were quite worried, saying, okay, this could lead to um, only this blockbuster content because they will only produce content that they know people will want to watch. What actually happened was the complete opposite, that Netflix had such granular data and such good insights that they could commission niche content that they knew they had the viewers for. And and so this has enabled Netflix to produce even more niche content. And then they're also using it for their own innovation. They're using it for their own operations. And this is something that any organization needs to do. Uh, I've written a, a, an entire book about data strategy. and And this is really important to figure out, okay, how can data be used in your organization to help you better understand your customers how can it be used to help you make better decisions how can it make how can you use data to improve your operations and automate things and gain better insights and and so the starting point has to be your strategy organizations need to sit down to think okay what is my current strategy what value am, am i delivering and you were asking about customization this and personalization, this is hugely important. So organizations need to think, okay, what products and services are we offering today? And how is data and some of the supporting technologies like artificial intelligence enabling us to completely personalize our products? And Netflix is a good example because they are, they are constantly thinking about this. And they are now not only recommending you films, giving you the generic tile or the generic poster of the movie, they are now even trying to customize how they're showing you the movie. So if they know that you like a particular actor or actress and this actor or actress might not be on the main poster of the film, then they will select a scene from the film that shows this actor to make it even more relevant for you. And, and artificial intelligence in particular and, 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 
especially generative AI, has hugely powerful personalization capabilities that, that will transform most products and services organizations are delivering today. So this is a, a really important starting point to think okay, how what are the services and products we are offering today? How are they are they still relevant in five years' time? And how will these technologies enable us to make them more personal and better and adding more value to our customers? It's really fascinating to hear about things like that, how Netflix is creating unique movie posters, because you never really think of that when you are just watching your entertainment in the evening. It's really interesting to hear how these organizations are operating. And I think AI is really driving significant changes across all different industries. One particular example that you gave on your session was a salmon farm in the Nordics that uses facial recognition of the individual fish to ensure that they all get the same amount of food, they don't have any health issues, etc. And obviously facial recognition exists for humans too. What are some of the uses of that? And also, what are some of the possible downfalls, especially from an ethical point of view? Yeah, with all of these technologies, there are that they they are a tool that we can use for good things and for bad things. And um again, generative artificial intelligence is giving our face recognition capabilities a huge push. Before they were quite good at recognizing you and most people that, that have an iPhone know that, that their face recognition capability allows them to open their phone uh, in the morning without putting their code in. So this is a technology we use every single day. And we know that if you want to make payments, you can now do this with your face ID on your phone, if you want to access certain apps, you, this is enabled by Face ID. So this is a technology that has been around for a long time. Um, and it it can help us, obviously. So it can help us um, if we, for example, use face recognition in our public CCTV system, we can find missing children. We can identify people that we are looking for, that the police is looking for. All of this is positive, but it also comes with huge risks. And, and we see this in, in, in certain parts of the world where this technology is used to identify people that the government is looking for. They might be looking for minorities. Um, and and this suddenly becomes a, a big problem. So this technology is all good in the hands of well-regulated governments if it's then used by, by states that want to control their, their citizens. You can also use that technology for this. And so I, I don't have massive concerns about using this technology in police forces, for example, in Ireland, uh, or in the UK or in Europe. But if we then think about how might states like Iraq and, and China and others use this technology, I have huge concerns. So we need to have the ethical considerations and we need to make sure that there's a regulatory landscape in place to allow us to use these technologies in the right way. But we've had this before. We've had, we already have super powerful technologies like nuclear weapons and as a world we are we have created international um, organizations that can like the international atomic weapons um, 
organization that that will look at the how different countries might be developing those capabilities and hopefully we will be able to do something similar with powerful technologies like like artificial intelligence and gene editing that can completely transform the future of our world. Thanks very much, Bernard. It's obviously very important to have an understanding and to have a certain amount of regulation when it comes to implementing AI into organizations, but how can individual leaders of businesses promote the effective integration of AI into their business strategies, but also preserve a bit of a balance between using technology and embracing the skills that are a bit more human? Yeah, that's a really good question. And probably, in, in my opinion, one of the most important um, strategic decisions that leaders need to make today. Because what... Um, what we are seeing at the moment is this massive acceleration in AI capabilities. And AIs are now able to create content. They're able to create images, videos, sounds. They can compose music. They can um, analyze data. They can write computer code. And most of these things uh, to a level that, that most humans can't. And this is only the beginning. So these tools will accelerate and become even better and supersede human capabilities in many of these tasks. So what is important to figure out is how do we how do we create a working environment where humans bring what humans are best at? How do these machines work alongside our humans? And how do we create this perfect augmented working environment where we get the best out of people and the best out of machines. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to create a, a working environment where people are competing with machines. So for example, I I believe that machines will be a lot better at analyzing data um, probably within 12 months time. So what does this mean for the job of the of a business analyst? So a business analyst need to be really good. He needs to be good at interpersonal communication, at creativity, at um, critical thinking, uh, at complex decision making, all of the things that really make us truly human. And and what we can give to the machines is the things they are particularly good at: analyzing data, creating content, um, and what is important is for leaders to think about how they are operating at the moment, what skills they are building in their organization, what people they're recruiting, and then to step back and say, okay, how is this going to change in the future? How is AI and some of the other technologies, how will they transform the skills that we will need in the future? And my hope is that in the long term, this will make our workplace more human because we can give a lot of the repetitive the and and other work to machines and actually focus on the higher level higher level really the, the work where humans excel at where we bring our truly human expertise i've i've actually written uh, an entire book on this called future skills because i have three children and i think about this every day what what will the future of work look like for them and in in that book 
I talk about a number of technical skills like data literacy and, and digital literacy and awareness of cyber threats and so on. But beyond this, it is all truly um, soft skills like creativity, like continuous learning, like complex decision-making, critical thinking, all of the things that that will set us apart from machines and allow us to work alongside machines where we can add value and they can add value and we hopefully create a better world. Thanks very much, Bernard. That all makes a lot of sense. I want to pick up on something that you mentioned there and that is continuous learning. And I'm sure as someone who teaches, you understand how important it is for organizations to foster this culture of continuous learning and to help people keep upskilling and building the soft skills, the human skills that they really need for this technologically driven future. How can leaders do that? How can they build a learning culture that embraces technology and also builds those human skills? Yeah, I think the the key here is that every leader needs to understand that continuous learning is no longer an option, but a complete necessity. Because if you believe what I said in the beginning, that we are now entering this hyper-innovation cycle, then things are going to change faster and more rapidly all the time. And this means that um, our traditional education system that was designed where we basically send people to school for... Uh, up to 16 or 18 years then to university and then they enter the workplace and by the time they enter the workplace they have pretty much everything they need to and, until they retire this is being completely turned upside down at the moment where even so the half-life of skills so how long does it take for your skills to become half as valuable is accelerating all the time so we need to learn continuously learn about how what how is what what can generative ai do for our uh, work what's the role of blockchain technology what's the role of generative uh, what's the role of gene editing for example and 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 material science um what's the implications of quantum computing um, and and that means everyone in the organization needs to continuously learn. And what leaders need to do is they need to give people the space and they need to facilitate this learning. So if we if everyone is working flat out all week long without time to reflect and sit back and learn something new, that is not the environment that organizations will thrive in in the future. So again, what when I work with Shell, um, what they did is they created um, some custom courses, for example. They partnered with organizations like Udemy and Coursera, some of the big open learning platforms, to customize courses for Shell, saying, okay, if you want to learn about data science, here's a course that you can take. And then they give people some time in the week for personal development. And, and I think this is the key that you create this culture. And this has to start right from the top of the organization where leaders also take time to learn and, and develop. And, and, and then this culture needs to be instilled throughout the entire organization where everyone in the organization has space to learn and where learning is, is valued and facilitated. Thanks very much, Bernard. We've covered a lot today, but I think we've really just scratched the surface of 
what's coming in the future when it comes to AI and customization and all of these really interesting technologies. So thank you so much for joining us today on the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. And thank you to everyone for listening. You can subscribe on SoundCloud or on your preferred podcast provider to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Until next time. 